Either Schwitzer? Oh, yeah, it's the guy I listened to when I made my first billion. He's one clever son of a... Five, four... We're online. The hottest internet station. It's time for The Switzer Show with the guy who makes getting richer easier than running up a credit card bill, Peter Switzer. Hello and welcome to The Switzer Show. I'm Peter Switzer and this is the show where we try to make you wealthier, smarter and damn happy to listen to stuff about money. I'm joined by my colleague, Paul Rickard, who also is a great lover of money. Hi, Paul. Look, I am, Peter, and I guess if you'd asked me a week ago, would the market be at a 10.5 year high? Unbelievable. Uh, I'd probably have said no. I mean, I think last week we were thinking maybe this has got a little uh, little ahead of itself mm. because we've sort of seen the Aussie share market sort of really struggle to sort of in some ways to sort of keep pace with what's going on offshore. But mm. in, in weeks where, you know, not much happened in the US, I suppose we've got, we'll come back to the trade issue in a minute, but yeah. the Aussie market keeps on going up. No, it's it's real, it's a gift that keeps on giving at the moment, Paul. Well, it does for mega bulls like you uh, that have been <laughs> right. And uh, we should just acknowledge that because you've been one to call out the market going higher now for many, many years. Mm. And uh, there's so many doomsdayers out there. Where are they all today, right? Where I, 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 I never mention... get an apology. I, no. I often get bagged, but they never say, oh, sorry, Switch, you, you actually were right, but I'll, I'll wait until you're wrong before I send you another insulting note. I shouldn't get into bagging the ABC, but uh, goodness me, the number of... Uh, if you're just bearish and you think that the market's going to end or the property market's going to turn down or the housing market's about to collapse or the share market's in crisis, just listen to the ABC. But there we have the share market, a 10-and-a-half-year high. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that... Um, I'm getting excited here, Peter. Yeah, me too. I'm pretty excited too. I'm trying to contain myself because I'm hosting the show, Paul. But you're right. It's been good. And the, and let's face it, a stock market over a 10-year period tends to go up about eight years out of 10. And we've had a couple of sideways years and eventually a crash will happen, but I still think it's a, a, a way off at this point in time. Now, apart from talking about trade mm-hmm. trade war issue and why the market hasn't reacted, I do want to tell people, on the show today, we had the legendary retailer, Jerry Harvey. And apart from finding out how the battle with Amazon's going, we're also trying to work out what drives Jerry, because this guy loves going to work nearly more than he loves taking on his critics. And he, he does talk about his critics uh, at, not ad nauseum, at very much great interest. Well, one of the things I want to ask him about, Peter, of course, is about the short sellers. and, oh, and these short are, sellers. These are people that, uh, if you're not familiar with what's short selling, it's the opposite to buying something. In other words, you sell something you don't own. Uh, Which people don't understand. People that, a lot of people don't understand that. We might you, explain but, that later but, in the show. But you sell something you don't own with the hope of buying it back at a lower price. So mm. what you want, of course, is the share price to go down, and that way you can profit. And... Mm. Uh, the short sellers are very, very prominent uh, in stocks like Harvey Norman and, and JB Hi-Fi. I don't know Jerry thinks that they're... They're wrong. They're wrong, and they're also... I think he thinks they're criminals, criminals. but uh, they stay there. The, the no short... single inverted commas. He just thinks they're criminals. Yeah, so we'll just see what he's got to say about that as well, Peter. Yep, okay. So uh, before we get to Jerry, and he's, he'll be on the line in a moment, let's just quickly talk about, Paul, why hasn't trade war, the trade war start, um, affected the market? Well, look, I guess uh, deep down people expect that Donald's just playing a big game mm. and that at some stage, it may not be the next month, or but in the, in the next many months, 
somehow it'll all sort of smooth over and that, in other words, China will provide a bit of a concession mm. and Donald will have enough to go back and uh, to go back to his voters in the Midwest and other of his core electorates and say, see ya, I'm making America great again. Yeah. We, we, it's all an even playing field. I mean, I think that's what the market ultimately believes, that common sense is going to prevail. Mm. And so they're taking heart in the sense that China, it's playing tit for tat, but it's not... It's not upping the stakes. No, that's right. right? If they had, it's, do you think the market would have I gone I think down? if they had, it'd be a very different ball game. Yep. China, China is, 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 you know, Donald says, I'll raise you 34B, and China says, I'll see you. Yeah. But they're great. not going, I'll see you and I'll up you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The up you uh, would have got, got right up the stock the market. The up you would have got up a few people, but yeah. that hasn't happened. Also, we've seen, I suppose, a few sort of conciliatory noises out of the EU. Mm on things like cars. And so uh, where they're sort of saying, well, maybe we'll cut tariffs on the US cars coming into the EU. I don't yeah. think there are too many, but, no. you know, I think there's a there's a few conciliatory noises being made such that I think the market's still saying that, look, it's it's really not a war yet. It's sort of just a bit of a tiff mm. and um, things aren't out of hand. Now, that could change, yeah. but markets want to be optimistic and yeah. I, I think it's... Um, it's kind of like war games as opposed it's, it's like to a, a trade war. It's like a war game, and yeah. so that's why the market's not reacting. That, that's the way I would rationalize. Yeah. What do you think? No, I think it's spot on. Uh, I, I do th- – look, a lot of people understand that the experts who value st- stocks look at individual companies and they will have looked at the implications mm. of a tariff on a certain company like Harley-Davidson and said, right, this will cost them this amount of profit, therefore their share price should go down by this amount, and that share price has already adjusted. So it doesn't need to do any more. But if, as you say, the stakes are up, and remember Donald has said he could go as high as $500 billion mm. worth of um, tariffs against China, well, then that's when the stock market would really, I think, have a very bad case of the runs. I also heard a, uh, some stuff out of the US on the weekend that said also that uh, the companies and the industries he's applying the tariffs to, mm. they're largely not things that necessarily affect consumers too much, so mm. they're more sort of intermediate-type goods. Mm. Uh, and China's doing a little bit the same, so we're not actually seeing – Donald's not upsetting the consumer base in the US yet because tariffs, of course, if you think about it, they add to the price of things. Yeah, things sure. get more expensive. Yeah. That's what tariff is a tax. Uh, and so he's not really – He's not really doing things that actually impact a lot of yet uh, consumers seeing it's it. It's not hip goods. pocket. Not hip pocket. Mm. And, uh, and China's also being a bit selective too. So I think it's still it's still tariff games as opposed to tariff war. Yeah. And uh, I think the market's hoping that it's going to probably end still peacefully. Yeah, okay. Well, look, we'll go on our break now. Uh, and after our break, we've got that great Australian businessman, Jerry Harvey. And now. A word from our sponsors. Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Now, here's Switzy. Yes, here I am. And I should actually point out that Switzer Home Loans are 3.89% for advertised rates and also for comparison rates. Now, let's get to the star of the show today, the legendary retailer and great Australian businessman, Jerry Harvey. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Thank you. 
And mate, the question I, I always ask you when I, I see you, apart from racehorses and things like that, I always ask you, how is retail going? Yeah, because your view on retail and therefore the economy is something I really do value. So what are you seeing right now? Um, retail is not as bad as some of the pundits are saying, but it's not great. But we're seeing growth in various shops. Uh, we're seeing no growth in some shops, but overall we're seeing growth of between 1% and 2 and 3%. Uh, so there's still a bit of growth there, but not a lot. Do you think, you know, I, I guess this is a question that the pundits often bring up and you like to rail against them. The Amazon threat, is it apparent and, and affecting your business at this point in time? No, not at all. Okay, I, I knew you'd either go for an expansive answer or a very short one. Um, so well, the, the follow-on, Jerry. It's having... <laughs> It's having zero effect. That's a reality. Okay. Look, the following question is just sort of roll out the sort of the magic time horizon a couple of years down the track. I mean, is Amazon a long-term threat to your business? Um, it'll be a long-term. I don't know. I don't like the word threat. If someone opens a shop, their opposition, uh, their competition. Now, I don't know whether when you use the word threat. It means that they're going to have a fairly big um, um, they're going to affect your business in a big way. That's a threat. Now I don't see a threat, but I might be wrong. At the end of the day, 10 or 15 years from now and Amazon are either here or they've gone up in smoke, I don't know what might happen. But um, I don't think they'll ever make any money out of retail the way they're going. Their model is totally flawed. It cannot make money. Never has made money in 23 years. In my opinion, the way they run it, it never will. Mm. Now, that a lot of people think that I'm mad and I'm wrong. But uh, that's my honest belief. I, I don't know how, the way they run their business, they can make money. Now, they might make money out of the cloud. They might make money out of some other things mm. they do. But in retail, their model just doesn't make any sense. Jerry, have you been affected in, in overall terms by the arrival of the internet? Because I, I know you've always said, well, I'm doing it. It's just not as big as people uh, thought it would be. And clearly it's big in some areas. Like I, I figure a lot of frock shops uh, are losing out a lot of business because it's easy to buy a frock on the internet. But how's Harvey Norman being affected by the arrival of the internet? Well, we we have a big internet business in terms of internet businesses, but it's still only two, three, four percent of our business. But we have a lot of people employed. Uh, our growth is quite strong in that area, um, and and but again, it's such a small part of our business, mm. and and uh, it's it's been overhyped. My problem is when I get out in the public arena and say things like that overhyped and not what you think it is and that then i'm labeled a dinosaur i'm labeled it doesn't do me any good it actually <laughs> affects my uh, reputation because people say oh he he's like he's behind the times he doesn't know what he's talking about the poor buggers on the way out and you've been on your way out for 20 years haven't you 
What's, you know, yeah. at least, at least. <laughs> so, but the point is that it doesn't matter. I've got a whole heap of critics out there at the moment telling me that I'm behind the eight ball. But if you look at our internet site, if you compare with what we as a retailer are doing on the internet, we're up there with the best players in the business. So it's not as if we're a dinosaur at all, but mm. my problem is my mouth because I go out and I say things that people don't want to hear. Mm. And, and even though I believe it to be the truth, they don't. And so when they don't, they just assume that they're right and I'm wrong. And then I assume that they don't know what they're talking about. I'm right. And how the hell would they know? So we're both living in different worlds. Jerry, is there a generation threat out there? Are the, the retailers of tomorrow, namely the, the younger generation, are they a different kind of consumer and therefore you're going to have to trim your business to accommodate them? No. Listen, the whole problem, if you come in and do a deep dive into Harvey Norman, what you'll find is a very good business. And I'm in the horse business and we have a duopoly. There is William Inglis and there is uh, Magic Millions. There's no one else. There's a duopoly. They're wonderful businesses. Mm. As I see the retail business coming through, a duopoly is going to occur in the electrical computer business. I see it. We've got Harvey Norman on one side and we've got Good Guys and JB Hi-Fi as one company on the other. And I see those two companies grabbing at least 60 to 80% of the total business out there. Now, the balance left over will be made up of people like Amazon with some small percentage. Um, some of the independent retailers that will survive with small percentages. But it well could be in the next five years, 80% of the electrical computer market out there could well be controlled with those two. And that would be a duopoly. So then we, then we start talking about these young people coming through. They're not coming through. Simple as that. There are no young people that I know of that are doing any good. There's a few out there, but their sales are just nothing. There is no one on the horizon that I can see. Now, maybe one day there will be, but Alexander the Great is not out there operating at the moment in opposition to me. So um, I just see a duopoly in the future. Now, the other problem is that if you wanted to operate uh, in opposition at the moment, you would have to get a retail shop. In the capital cities of Australia at the moment, especially Sydney and Melbourne, the two big capital cities, it's virtually impossible to find a block of land, build a five to 10,000 square metre shop in the right place you can't do it. The cost of doing it is prohibitive. So not only are we in a situation heading towards this duopoly that I'm talking about, yet the opposition can't get started because they can't get a shop. Now, I'm, I'm out there at the moment buying a little bit still, but it's, I've got... 30 people in my property department searching day and night for sites in Australia. You cannot get them. And when you find one, you can't make it work. 
So how can somebody come along and become the opposition? It's virtually impossible. Okay, Jerry, let's just play that out because uh, you've said you're almost sort of creating a duopoly. I don't know the ACCC would like to hear that, but let's, let's go with that. And let's go he's, with an accident, he's an accidental, accidental. duopolist, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go on. Uh, and what do you say about uh, the, the lack of, not, not threat, but you don't see the, some of the other newer players as competition and also the issue around just getting physical space to uh, set up a... Uh, uh, have the presence for a furniture and electrical goods retailer in, in the major capital cities. If, if that's all, 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 all true, why are the short sellers, and I'll get back to the short sellers in a moment, so keen about selling your stock as they are with, with JB Hi-Fi and some other stocks? I mean, clearly people that are selling stocks short, and these are people that sell something before they actually own it, so they think the prices go down. There are a lot of people in the market who don't, you know, but see some of the big picture trends that that you're talking now, about. Now, before you answer, Jerry, I'm sorry, mate. I didn't warn him not to bring up the word shorters, but he has. So away you go. Well, one <laughs> short selling should be banned. It's near enough to criminal. I see it that way. A lot of other people do too. Uh, financial people don't. In the main, they they think it's a wonderful thing. So. They have simply got it wrong. And our share price at the moment should be somewhere between 5 and $6. Where is it now, if Jerry? We made, Where is it if now? If you work out last year, we made a profit of 630 or $40 million or whatever it was. On that profit last year, if our share price was $6, that would be a 10% return on your money. It's $6. At the moment, our shares are under $3.50. Our asset backing is $3 a share. So they are so far wide of the market, doesn't matter. I believe that. Everyone in our company here at Harvey Norman believes that. The financial market doesn't believe it. The short sellers don't believe it. It's impossible to get an analyst to believe it. So I'm looking at it and thinking, here we go again, back in the dot-com boom. In the year 2000, I was telling everybody, this is a joke. No. I was a dinosaur in 2000, in 99. Guess what happened in the dot-com boom? It blew up. The whole thing blew up. And, and maybe I was right after all on that, on that particular issue. And, but the whole world was against me at the time. So I'm happy to believe that I'm not as stupid as, as some of these people are making me out to be. I'm confident my self-esteem is high. And I think that I'm on the right track and they're on the wrong track. Now, they'll only, in time, one of us is going to be right. Now, I'm betting I'm going to be right. So I'm, I'm betting against the bloody world at the moment. <laughs> and, but, but Jerry, back if... in the dot-com boom, I used to sometimes think to myself, I'd reflect, I'd have a good look at myself in the mirror, and I'd say, the world is against you, son. <laughs> You're the only one that thinks like this. Everyone else thinks that the world's going to change. And then suddenly the world didn't change. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, isn't that strange? The whole world, it was the world's big con, yeah. the dot-com boom. It caught everyone. Everyone believed it. Why? Now, at the moment, they're all believing that Amazon is going to take over the world. 
If Amazon gets halfway towards its target of taking over the world, governments all around the world are going to have to do something about Amazon because, one, its model is a lost leader, cannot make money. Two, it sends a whole heap of people out of business that were making money, employing people and paying taxes, and Amazon will pay none on its retail. So it's a disruptor with uh, an influence that is totally destructive. Now, I see it like that, and others say I'm an idiot. I'm not seeing it right. They have a clearer vision of the future than I have. Okay, Jerry. Now, I'm happy to live with my vision, and they're happy to live with their vision, and time will be the... um, In time, we'll know. Okay. Now, look, Jerry, can we have a quick ad break? I've just got to come back. I want to talk to you about what's your plan for the future, because I'm with you, Jerry. I think the shorters are wrong. I think Harvey Norman and Jerry Harvey... I don't think Jerry's an idiot. And so I want to know what your plan is for the future for the company. Back in a moment. And now, a word from our sponsors. Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Now, here's Switzy. So welcome back, and we're talking to Jerry Harvey, and he's just explained to us why he's not an idiot, though the rest of the world might think he is. Uh, And I want to know what a person who I don't think is an idiot has as a plan to grow Harvey Norman into the future. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Okay, so we've been playing around with overseas expansion for 20 years now. Now, in New Zealand, we've got 40 shops over there. We're going very strong. And we're as strong in New Zealand as we are in Australia. Now, we've opened up in Singapore and Malaysia. We're now up to about um, 30, 35 shops over there. Uh, we think we can take that up to 70, 80, maybe even 100 shops over the next 10 years. So we've got about five shops opening up out there, opening in uh, Malaysia this year. And we think that Malaysia, with a population of 31 million and a growing affluent country, in 20 years from now might have uh, a GDP and a, and a uh, 30, won't be 31 million, it might be 35, 6, 7 million, a bigger population in Australia, bigger GDP, more opportunities 10, 20 years from now than Australia has. That being the case, it's not impossible that we could make more money 10 or 20 years from now in Malaysia, Singapore, than we make in Australia. Then at the same time, we've uh, been in Slovenia for about 15, 16 years or something. Now we've opened in Croatia. We're looking to open another two shops in Croatia at the moment. Um, And then we're looking at what expansion we can do in, in Europe. We're in Ireland, which used to cost us a lot of money. We were losing $50 million a year. We're now making a small profit. So we're trying to grow that business. So if you look out 5 to 10 to 15 years from now, I've sort of got this image of can we make more money overseas than we make in Australia? And certainly that's not going to happen within the next five years. But 
it is our ambition to do that. And if we can do that, we become one of those great Australian companies that not only did well in Australia, but went out uh, and did well in the rest of the world. That's our ambition. And we're, we're, we're well on the way to doing it. So it's, again, you look at that and everyone looks at our Australian operation, and, but they don't look at the rest of the world. They, don't, they sort of think it doesn't exist. But when you see the growth that we've had in the last 12 months overseas and you see the growth that we're going to have this year, last year and this year will be our best ever two years overseas by a long, long way. So that's overseas, Jerry, in terms of how you're expanding. What about locally in terms of uh, either categories or do you see uh, sort of the franchise model with the way you operate your stores playing a bigger or a lesser role going forward? Every time I look at our franchise model, and I get a lot of criticism on it, I think to myself, this is the best model. This is bloody fantastic. It really works well. Now, overseas, we don't have the franchise model the same as we do in Australia. But we have a form of franchise model. Um, and it, but it's different, and it varies in every country we're in. So we don't have it quite the same as what we have it here. But we still have a, a model over there that bears a close resemblance to what we do here. And it is working. And, and what we've got uh, in New Zealand at the moment, for instance, is that there are pretty much two players in New Zealand, us and one other mob. And we are the two major players in New Zealand. We're quite a bit bigger than them. So we are the number one player in New Zealand by quite a long way in our category. We're in every town there. We are the big brand in New Zealand. But if you talk to an analyst, no analyst even talks about New Zealand. It's like it doesn't exist. And then when you go to Singapore, we're the major, I think we are, if we're not there, we're second, the major player in Singapore in electronics. And I think we're number one. In Malaysia, we will be number one. It'll be a few years from now. So when you start to look and you say, in Australia, you're going to be number one. New Zealand, you're going to be number one. Uh, uh, Singapore, number one. Malaysia, number one, right? You start looking at that and you think, wow, there's four countries where you're number one in your category. So you can see that I have this vision for Harvey Norman that bears no resemblance to what a lot of analysts think and short sellers think. They, they're on a completely different planet to me. So, Jerry, when you get up every morning, because you, know, you do sound like a dog with a bone when it comes to answering your critics, and I know what you like. You don't like being criticised unfairly, and you like to give as good as you get. But when you get up each morning, do you, do you kind of look at yourself and say, yeah, this is what I'm going to do today to make sure I'm right and those buggers out there are wrong? Oh, yeah, I'm going to win at the end of the day. Make no mistake about that, right? So when I get up in the morning, I have a cup of tea with Kate and I say, we're going to go out there and get them again today. Now, she says to me, but they don't believe us. And I say, yeah, but at the end of the day, we're going to prove them wrong, okay? And at the end of the day, we will be right and they will be wrong. It can't happen overnight, because at the moment, retail stinks, franchising stinks, um, Amazon's going to kill you, uh, the housing boom is, is all over, it's going to crash and there'll be no fridges sold, 
so at the moment you've got these four prongs, uh, spears being pointed straight at our heart. And and so um, all we've got to do now is is prove them wrong. That's just going to take a bit of time. We can't do it overnight. The wonderful thing is that when, when you do end up like at the dot-com boom and you're right and the others are wrong, you can never say, see, I told you I was right, because then that works against you because you're a bloody Skype or you, you know, you, so you, you can't even say, look, you're all idiots. And I was right. You just got to, you got to, you've just got to cop it sweet. Yeah. And that's what we're doing at the moment. So at the end of the day, I'm more than confident that we're on the right track and we're, we're going like a rocket. Okay, Jerry, we'll, we'll make sure we let people know that the rest of the world is assessing you incorrectly are a bunch of idiots and you're the smart guy. Well, if I go out and say that too much, it'll do me more harm. Than good. I've, got to be, I've got to be a little bit more... I've got to be humble. Humble. Okay? Well, we, we hope you do, you do prove the short sellers wrong, Jerry. I don't, I don't agree they're a blight on the market, but I do agree there are some issues and let's hope that... Uh, you keep on there winning so that the short sellers eventually back off the retail sector and give you guys a chance. Thanks for joining us, mate. Okay, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Jerry. Well, that was Jerry Harvey, Paul. What do you think about Jerry's take on things in retail and the stock market land and well, also the media? Well, I thought his take around how Harvey Norman is growing overseas is very interesting. Yeah, it, is interesting. It, it doesn't get a lot of um, airplay in Australia. Hmm. Not so sure about his views on Amazon, uh, and uh, certainly the market doesn't believe it. So, look, oh. it's uh, I guess one of the problems that Jerry has is that retail sales are just growing very slowly, yeah. and that's not just a bit about his segment. It's true right across the industry, mm-hmm. and all the data shows that more and more sales are going online. Mm-hmm. So although Jerry Harvey or Harvey Norman has an online business, uh, you know, it's, got, its main business is still bricks through bricks and mortar retail. Were you surprised about his duopoly view? Yeah, I'd be a bit... <laughs> like, I want to say that to him. The yeah. ACCC might be where yeah. interested in that, but yeah. uh, I suppose it, it's acknowledging... Two major players. Two major players, ones. I think. Yeah. Look, and he's right. Look, his share price is down at $3. And it's probably a buy. It, it's probably right down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harvey Norman or... The company's been dealing with some other issues apart from just retailing. I yeah. think there have been question marks about some of his investments in the past. But mm. interesting what he's got to say about offshore. And, uh, look, he believes in his product, and it's really important, I yeah. think, when you look at companies and company CEOs and, and chairmen as to whether they believe what they're talking about. Yeah, and we know in the Switzer Report, Nathan Bell from uh, Peters McGregor recently wrote an article. There's a high incidence of, of co- public companies where the founder is still on the on the job, where those companies tend to do very well. So it's going to be very interesting if Jerry you know, can bring this company back to the share price where he thinks it should be. Well, look, if you have a view that the short sellers have, you know, we've seen all the Amazon threat and the market's pricing that in, then Harvey Norman, companies like JB Hi-Fi, you might put them on your buy list. Yeah, exactly right. Well, let's go on our break. And after that, we'll come back and answer our listeners' questions. And now, a word from our sponsors. Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. 
Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans. Too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people that they don't like. So stick with Switzer and get rich. Where are my teeth? Okay, and uh, we always point out with that ad of ours around Switzer Home Loans that our advertised rate is the same as our comparison rate, which means there are no fees and charges which effectively push up the real rate that you pay. Now, Paul, let's go to the questions from our Mm. listeners. We always finish off the show with this. And the first question has been sent in by email from Ali, and she says, can I draw out money from my super to use it for a home deposit? I've never bought a home before and I heard there's a new scheme which helps young people uh, get money from super. How do I qualify? Okay, this is called the First Home Super Saver Scheme. Not my little <laughs> name. But it does say what it is, First Home Super Saver yeah, Scheme. So yeah, so for Ali, you've got to put money into super first through the scheme before you do anything else. And, of course, uh, you can effectively get $30,000 into super. And that's a maximum of $15,000 in any one year. It doesn't have to be $15,000, mm-hmm. but so you could do $15,000 you know, up to over two years, or yeah. you could do $10,000 over three years mm. or less. Or 5000 over six. Yep. Yeah. Um, but a maximum of 30000 and a maximum of 15000 in any one year. And uh, you've got to put the money into super through what's called a voluntary contribution. Now, it's going to be most tax effective if you do that from salary sacrifice. And uh, so you need to contact your super fund and say this is going to be a salary sacrifice contribution mm. and it's going to be made for the first home super super. You actually earmark it for that. Yeah, look, um, th- I've got to check that out, Peter, but I, I think, I think, you're, I think, you're, I think you, you probably do. Yeah. It depends on the, how the funds are doing it. And some of the funds haven't been as helpful as they might want to be Really? on this. I, think there's, I wonder if they want to keep the money in the yeah, fund rather so than going out for a house. I would contact my super fund first and yeah. say, how do I do a first-home yeah. super sober deposit? Yep. Yeah. And then once it's in the fund, you can then take it out at any time. Uh, and uh, it doesn't have to be thirty. You, you could draw out seventeen thousand five hundred if you wanted. You can you can draw out in parts, mm. yes. But it does. You can only get to use it for one house, yeah. and it's got to be your first property investment. So if you've owned uh, had an investment property, so yeah. for example, you won't qualify. But yeah. it's assessed on a you know if there's two of you and most young people, many young people are buying their first home are doing it in, in a, as partners. Mm. Uh, so if both of you have to own property before, potentially you could get up to $60,000. But if only one has, if one has owned property and one hasn't, the other partner still can. Yep. So, uh, Paul, let me just throw a few questions. People listening mm-hmm. would have, have these sort of questions. So you, none of the 9.5% your boss puts in can be used for this? No, Peter, okay. so absolutely. So it's okay. not the 9.5%, it's the top. So, it's and that's why you said salary yep. sacrifice. Yep. You, you decide to put more of your pay in the super. Mm-hmm. What, what if your, your mum and dad said, well, look, here's 10 grand for, for, you know, for being a great kid. Can you put that in as a non-concessional contribution so and can, use that yep. to add up to the 30000 You can put in non-concessional contributions. Uh, so they're, they're from your own after-tax yeah. dollars. Yeah. It's not going to be as effective. But get, still, super rates are higher than term yep, deposit rates. Yep. So the, the scheme really gets its benefit because it's coming out of pre-tax dollars mm. and it's giving you a big tax saving effectively. And that's why, you know, uh, it it's really is a no-brainer. So, But you can do a non-concessional contribution. It could be coming from mm. 
you know, your mum or your dad, you know, or another okay. your grandmother or whoever it is who might have. If a, you sell uh, the house, do you yeah. have to put the money back in? No, 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 no. A lot of people are wondering that. No, you, you can just have to buy that first property. You have mm. twelve months to do it, so mm. it can go as a deposit. Mm. Uh, you can't use it just for land, mm. but you can do it for where construction's occurring. Yep. So uh, if once you've signed a, you know, if you can't use the money just to buy a block of land, but you could buy the block of land, and then when you actually come to build the house, and sometimes those things don't always go at the same time, when you actually sign the construction pack, you know, the contract to build it, hmm. then then you can withdraw it. Great stuff. Well, I think uh, we've. Really answer that question really well. And, and look, I say to a lot of people, it is a no-brainer mm. if providing you're going to buy a property. Yeah. Now, if you're never going to buy property, the downside is the money's going to stay in the super system forever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, kind of Don't lost change it. your mind. But it is a no-brainer. And uh, as the government says, this government's got a good website. You can look at all the calculators. Yeah. You'll save about 30% faster. Yeah. Than, than by just having the money in a term deposit or in the bank. And you can't use it to buy an investment property. No, you can use it for. Uh, that's that's you can use it you can, as long as you got to live in the property. That's, that's right. Yep. But I reckon I after a year, that. if for example you got married and your partner yeah. had a house, you could yeah. then yes. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want to get people to get sneaky or anything, Paul. But that's probably what could happen in some situations. Yep. No, you've got to be used to for property you got to live in. That's correct. Exactly yeah. right. I have to think on that one for a moment because yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm always challenging you, yeah. Paul. You know that. I always play by the rules, and you come up with a sneaky question. <laughs> Okay, this one comes from Jersey. Once again, an email. We are both 73 years of age. We have a small allocated pension. At the moment, we are painting, etc., to put our home on the market to downsize. Is it possible to cash in either all or part of the balance of the allocated pension to assist with the cost of these jobs? We are on a Centrelink pension, and the A pension, allocated pension, is calculated at half of the real amount. This is one where you're going to have to think very carefully about because you've got an older style of allocated pension that actually is only, when it comes to the assets test, only gets weighted at 50%, whereas most new allocated or pensions get weighted at 100%. So while you can generally cash them out, and I'd have to look at the particular pension, but you, because you're over 65, you can take your money out of super at any time. Uh, while you should be able to take out as much as you want, you won't pay any tax, uh, let me just give you a bit of a cautionary tale that if you were to sort of try to reinvest it or something or put it into other assets, they'll be weighted at 100%, whereas because of this is an old style of pension and only being weighted at 50%, mm. uh, it may not be in your best interest in terms of getting a pension. It depends what sort of pension you get from the government and how close you are in the threshold and the assets test. So... Uh, the answer is yes, but be careful because it may actually cost to do this. Do you think she should go to Centrelink and, and get it then? Yeah, I, look, it? I would think this is probably a good question for a financial advisor or if you can uh, uh, have the time, go Pick to Centrelink. Mm. Yep. Look, Centrelink will give you very good advice. You have to go through a bit of a process mm. yeah, <laughs> and make an appointment. Mm. And I guess that uh, sometimes it can't be... Uh, you know, sometimes there might be some questions about wanting to go into a Centrelink office, but the yeah. people are pretty helpful. Go for an appointment and they can explain all the ins and outs. So uh, either a financial advisor or Centrelink can just really understand how it could affect your government part pension 
um, before you do it. I mean, if, a better strategy might be, for example, uh, if you've got some, uh, if your kids or other relatives borrow the money from your kids, mm. and they might, you know, when you die, they might get it back out of your estate or something. If that's if that's an option, if it's, uh, mm. I don't know how much the painting is going to cost. That sounds but, like uh, you you want this family to be a good negotiating family. Yeah, I just think very. Uh, uh, when things are grandfathered, this is one of these grandfathering arrangements mm. why it's only counts at 50%. Mm. And because it's been grandfathered, if you're going to take it out, you just have to be very careful to make sure that's in your best interest. Okay, here's another one uh, from Don, once again, email. Uh, in noting Charlie Aiken's recommendation recently that Tencent is a buying opportunity. Tencent, by the way, is a big Chinese company. And it kind of has, it's, it's kind of like the Amazon, isn't it, of, um, of China? Yeah, Tencent's a bit more like the Facebook of China. Okay. And uh, Alibaba's a bit more like the Amazon. Of course, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. but Tencent... Uh, you Instagram know, and all that sort yeah, of stuff it is owns, it, owns, one, it, it has WeChat and all those sort of things that uh, that everyone in China uses. I've never used WeChat, but I'm told there it's half a billion or maybe it's a billion <laughs> users or something. It's 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 it's, it's the it's the Facebook of China. Okay, right. Here. So can he or, or you please explain how the private investor... Can invest directly in a company like Tencent or even Alibaba, I guess. Yeah, so I look, I've covered it first. What's the Super Report subscribers? I've covered this exhaustively in today's it's, uh, Monday's Switzer Super Report. Yep. But let, let's just for the purpose of our radio listeners, you can buy shares listed on the Hong, Hong Kong Stock Exchange uh, through Australian brokers. Hmm. Uh, two big brokers, that's Comsec and Nabtrade, uh, both offer. Fairly easy services to to buy and sell shares uh, on Hong Kong and a number of other markets. Tencent is listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Stock code is seven hundred or 0700. Isn't that funny? No letters. There's numbers. No letters. Uh, and, Those Chinese uh, do like numbers. Yeah. Don't so they? either Comsec or Nabtrade. There are a couple of other brokers. It's 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 not that hard to buy overseas shares, no. Pete. No, and, it's good. Uh, and they have made it a lot easier. There's a couple of forms to fill out as you expect because you're dealing with with tax and a few issues. But mm. you can be an investor in Tencent directly um, if you know what you're doing and you're confident that's a company. Now, I know Charlie would say that should be a core holding of many people's portfolios. Yeah. So, and, and the uh, Chinese market sort of, has come down with all this trade yep. talk and stuff. It could be a good buying opportunity, but he always th- says that this is a stock to hold for the long term, despite the fact it's done well. Yeah, and I think that I must admit when Facebook was first listed, I couldn't understand why people were paying yeah. what they were doing for it, you know. <laughs> I laughed and said, look, I don't know how you could pay that. Now it's probably uh, three or four times higher than when I laughed. Maybe it's even more than that. More, I'd say, Paul. You've got to believe in it. Um, And I guess that when you've got these companies that are dominant in their marketplace, just like Facebook's dominant in the Western world, Tencent is dominant in the the, uh, Asian and Chinese world. Uh, That's a big world. It's a big world. And, uh, you know, you've got to... I think Charlie's saying, look, don't expect it to go up 10% next week because it's not. It could go down 5%, but it's a long-term uh, play. Yeah. And uh, you've got to buy when others want to sell a little bit. So, yeah. and, and it sort of fits the bill of what the, the guys from WCM always say is find a company with a moat around it, yeah. which means it's hard for enemies to attack them. And they really have seem to have a very big moat around them, don't they? Well, the other ones you like, of course, is, is also, we mentioned Alibaba, which is like sort of the Chinese Amazon. Yeah. It's, that's, it's obviously more than Amazon different, but that's mm. like the equivalent. Of, uh, and, of course, uh, he likes um, Ping An, which is a big insurance, insurance company, yeah. in, company in China. And uh, 
a, a company involved in in a travel city, a travel sky, sorry, which is involved in um, running all the um, the booking systems for airlines, and uh, he's very big on what he calls the Chinese tourism theme, yeah. both inbound and outbound, because uh, all these people and you know millions of people in China as as middle class grows, you know, they're going to travel right across the world. And I think 1.3 million of them came to Australia last year. Yep, and part of a biggest growing market. So if you look yeah. at the statistics for Sydney Airport, you look at the you know, the, the numbers coming out of China, you look at the number of Chinese airlines that mm. are now flying into Australia. Yeah, quite it's, staggering. It's, 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 it's a staggering growth area. Yeah. Okay, Paul, thanks for that. That's the, uh, the Q&A time. Looks like there's the bell. It must be quitting time. So that's the show for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Paul, thanks for coming on the program as always. And uh, look forward to getting together with you next week for The Switzer Show. Once again, thanks for joining us.